action. All right, welcome to Dune Dudes, the only podcast where two dudes talk about Dune. The only podcast. Um, Connor, my my ever present, uh, constant companion and co guest <laughs> host. Uh, how are you doing? How's it going? I'm eating snacks. One second. Yeah. I know that we haven't laid a lot lot of ground rules down. Um, If you recall, one of them was uh, don't don't ever quote South Park. And then... uh, (laughs) That that is one ground rule, yeah. So one of the other ones is... Come on, man. Come on, dude. What are you doing eating snacks into your mic? Are you eating nuts? Hungry. No, I'm eating cheese wisps. Cheese, cheese wisps. Yes, like Willow the Wisp. Sorry, okay, no, no, no. they're called wisps, but they are cheese crisps. So wisps, yeah. cheese crisps. Okay, I was gonna say I've never heard of a cheese wisp. It'd be like a, I don't know, a, a very um, fleeting snack. It, it seems like it'd be like cheese hair or something, something very fine and. <laughs> a cheese wisp yeah i mean they're called wisps though so you can still call them like wisps i, I guess you can a wisp um made of cheese i mean i guess in the in the spirit of full disclosure um you and i are kind of we're kind of cracking open a cold one yeah yeah what 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 do you have on the uh I have Horizon. <laughs> I have straight Jameson whiskey with a giant ice cube. Wow, you got you 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 love your giant ice cubes. I do. It's a colossal cube. Um, what are you drinking? I got myself a Bud Light seltzer. In the flavor, strawberry. <laughs> And yet you're wearing a pineapple shirt. I yeah. I mean, if they had pineapple flavor, I think I would probably opt for that because because uh, I am a big pineapple fan, um, aesthetically and uh, taste wise. You know, I cut a pineapple today. Did you? What What was the story behind that? Yeah. Um, Tony and I got a pineapple from Stop and Shop, and. It was gonna go bad. The leaves were like turning brown, and she was like, "Connor, can you can you cut this pineapple today?" And I said, "Yeah." Wow. Um, but I learned how to. I looked up a YouTube video on how to cut pineapples, and it went pretty okay. So you didn't just go knife crazy. No, start slashing it. No, no. I I was a bit more measured than that. Hmm. So. Well, hey, whenever uh, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, a day yeah, might no, come, okay. a day might come when I need to do the same, and I know the man to ask to uh, link me a YouTube clip on how to, yeah, perform that function. Yeah, or I could just show you myself. I'd prefer to to watch a, pro- a professional do it. I could videotape myself doing it and then send you the video, and it would be like 
you watching that professional because I I saw them do it. You consider yourself a, a professional pineapple pineapple cutter now since you have done it once. <laughs> watching the video made me feel like becoming a reverend mother, where <laughs> the the soul of that pineapple cutter like is now living within me. Okay, sure. I mean that makes sense to me. I accept. That's it. a segue. That is a segue. That's a Dune thing. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers or whatever for whatever chapters we're on because we don't know anymore. No, the numbers um, are gone. I we're, we've given yeah. up on the numbers. We neither of us Certainly. can count. It's not just but, me. It's not just me. But, but but we do know how to count to five because we've been doing that very well. We've yes. been we have been reading this the same chapters. Correct. We just don't know how many chapters are in the book total. Yeah, we we make sure we're uh, synced up usually. Yes, and we are synced up, right? I mean, I um, think we are. I mean, the, we have the, not the, confirmed it, but yeah. The 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 last chapter in this section of five, Paul Muad'Dib is on the verge of riding a sandwich. Yes, that's where we are. Okay, that's where that's where you stopped. That's right? where we I stopped. stopped there, right? That's where I stopped. Okay, right. cool. Um, so in the interest of saving time, because this has been, you know, all, we're already flying through this intro. This hasn't taken up a lot of time at all. In, Only five in a minutes of banter? Short amount of time. Yeah. Unheard of. Because uh, we, we may have a lot to talk about, but uh, we want to be, be concise, you know? Because some people have schedules to adhere to. We do. So, I, I have to go to sleep. I wasn't going to name names or... I got to work in... Some people, out. some of us, Connor, have to work in the morning. You know... I'll, I'll, I will have you know that I'll be waking up at 6.30 a.m. because I have a class to teach from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. So, yes, really? some of us do have to work in the morning. Wow, yeah. you have to. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, you want to know why? We haven't really talked about this, but I'm teaching uh, these kids in Beijing, China. Oh, it's the other job. Yeah, so that's the time difference. To it's them, a it's a different time for them. It's okay. 7 p.m. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait to hear all about that. I know. Sounds like it might be a little irregular, huh? I think so. I think we might have to save it for the main cast. <laughs> We're all due right. for a new three-way. Um, <laughs> Please, Connor, call it a menage a trois. Yes. Right? Fancy, fancier. We, we want to be fancy about these Classier. things. Um... And, you know, also in the interest of saving time, uh, you know, we don't got to do the, 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 the intro song. It seems like it's well past that. We didn't do it last time, and it was fine. I think you yeah, forgot it like about well it. Past. Seems like we're well past that. I think you forgot all about it. I did not, but I just let it, I let it slide. You, you kind of just, you just watched that slip on by, huh? I let it slide. Did you regret that? Did you feel like, man, I should have said something... No, I think it's I think it's over. If if we want to insert them, I I can at this at this point I can take our our best take and just uh, use that I, as the I main theme. Imagine, I can't imagine which one would be considered our best take out of all of them. But if Maybe you it'll be a mixture, that, composite. Yeah, you could do like a remix or something. Mm, yeah, with a nice like a nice beat behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Hey, 
So um, let's see. So where we left off, super quick. Um, right, the last chapter of the last section, we, we, we leave off with uh, Fade Rautha having fought in the like slave gladiator tournament. Yes. Um, and after that, it, it goes to um, back to Paul. And they finally, finally reach the Sayach, Stilgar's Sayach. Um, and uh, Paul is kind of thrust ever deeper into Fremen world and culture. And when he shows up there, after having killed Jameis, uh, they're like, so Jameis's wife is your wife now, right? <laughs> and Paul's kind of like, what? You know? Um, but he, he takes it in stride and he's like, you know, let me think about it. I'm not, I don't, I, they're like, do you accept her? Cause we got other stuff to do. And he's like, no, I don't accept, but I guess I'll watch her children. I well, guess they're my kids now. Yeah. They're, they're his kids, but then also he's taking her as kind of his servant. Yeah. Yes. Um, but he, he's he's kind of um, sort of made. He has eyes for another. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's kind of uh, shied. You know this this woman Hara Hera Hara Hera. I don't know. Horror sounds Hara. right. Uh, Again, this is and this is not your fault, Connor. But I, it's I read all five chapters in one night, like two days after we recorded yeah. the last episode. And uh, yeah. I have a bad short-term memory, so I am going to be uh, being rejogged as we go along. Don't. That's fine. Don't worry. I'll help you. And if um. If you're going at like this super fast clip, I know that the, there's also kind of extenuating circumstances that kind of spread out our time sometimes. But you know, let me know because uh, maybe we could even talk sooner. If uh, yeah, especially now that we're getting closer to the ends, mm -hmm. so give me a heads up. We'll keep more in tune with our our progress. We'll That's our... a good idea. Yeah, because um, I them, you know. I know you don't mean it that way either, but it makes me feel kind of bad because I don't want you to like forget like what the fuck's going on and then start reading again, you know? So yeah. Um, but this will okay. So this will be your refresher before you jump back in, and then yeah, exactly. Hopefully, yeah. we'll stay solid. Okay. Um, they they return to the science finally. Yeah. Um, Paul is obviously very interested in Chani, so. Uh, he's kind of like, ah, oh, whatever. Um, not too much happens here. It kind of just talks a lot about, like, the Sayach. I mean, we learn... I forget if we knew this. Did we... Do you remember if we already knew that Chani was Kynes' daughter? Because we find that out in this chapter. I no, don't think we did. That was a shock okay. to me. Yeah. Um, a huge shock. Right. So they... 
Chani like gets the news and Paul doesn't know what's up right away. And then later in the chapter they find out that she is the daughter of Liet Kynes. Um so yeah, so she so, so she fought right, exactly. The Imperial Planetologist. Um R.I.P. Poor uh I'd say, you know, pour out your, your Bud Light seltzer for him, but We don't waste water on that, this planet. That's right, that's right. It'd be a waste of moisture, baby. Um I don't really know what they would do with Bud Light Seltzer, but I, they would make it go to good use. I'm There's sure. water in, in in Bud Light. I mean, seltzer is mostly water, or seltzer yeah. is all water, but carbonated. Right. So this yeah. is just that with like a little bit of Bud. <laughs> <laughs> Add just a little bit of Bud, and you're there. Yeah, that should be the tagline or something. Just mm. you know, just some water with a little bit of Bud. Hell yeah. Drink a bud with your buds. Sponsored by the the Dune Dudes. That's low-hanging fruit. We could do that for you, Bud Light corporate executives who are listening to our podcast. Maybe next time we'll do a podcast um, where we review all of the different variations of bud. Budweiser, Bud Light, <laughs> all the Bud Seltzers. And yeah. we call it Bud Buds. Bud Buds, <laughs> dude. Dude, yeah. From Dune Dudes to Bud Buds. All right. Well, I mean, shit. Maybe we should just stop reading Dune and start that. I don't know. Well, let's, we'll talk about it. We're so close to finishing, though. We'll All right. Um. Okay. So they don't they don't really talk too much about that. Chani's like sad. <laughs> she, you know, she's like I'm mourning, but in the same way that like all the Fremen people, you know, they 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 seem to be very good at uh regulating their emotions. They're like, yeah, I'm sad, but like I'll be sad later. You know, there's like, a time for mourning. It, now is right. not they don't have when to do it right they don't they don't have the luxury of feeling their feelings man mm-hmm. not when they're surviving out in the harsh desert no um and i mean there there are other small things in here like they talk about the sayach and hara mentions that they need to leave because the they're still being like hunted and killed by Rabin. Um, so yeah, but I mean, other than like that, the chapter ends with like Hara's children showing up, which are kind of Paul's kids. I feel like that's all I got on that one. And you might not remember very well, but is there anything you want to add I, or talk I, about? I, I remember what I read. It's just like, I mean, I'm not trying to shit on you. I'm just saying, you know, I remember what I read as I hear it. Right. Recapping it from my memory is a little bit more difficult. But um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean uh yeah, it's all it's all very weird. Um it's definitely I feel like Paul kind of does a pretty good job at at taking it in stride and like trying to follow their customs and not being like, "Whoa, no, I'm not I'm not married <laughs> to her. He's she's not they're, they're not my kids. What are you talking about?" Like he yeah. does a pretty good job at kind of like rolling with the punches. He does. He does continue to sort of like um, he reacts as if he knows these things. Yeah. And like we kind of talked about um, like especially with the funeral and stuff of Janus where like I, I guess I kind of felt like the Fremen would be more understanding 
in a way to be like, yeah, well, why, you know, why the fuck would we expect you to know all this shit? But like, they're very demanding of outsiders, mm-hmm. you know, like if, yeah. if someone doesn't adhere to their customs, even if they have no way of knowing about it, it's like a great offense. Um, yeah, that's very true. And, and Paul, it's almost even worse. It's this. even worse for, uh, for Paul and Jessica because they are kind of these larger than life characters or ideas to them that, you know, like, I mean, if they don't adhere to the, their, the cultural norms there, it's almost like, well, are you the savior? Are you really the, right? are you really king shit or, or, or not? Well, like, what are you doing? So, yeah, yeah, for real. That's, that's true. It's like, if Jesus Christ like came back, but since they didn't have toilets or whatever, like yeah. he just like <laughs> shit on the floor. Everyone was just like, Jesus, you have to use the toilet. I mean, he wouldn't know. Right? No, he wouldn't know. No, he wouldn't know. They, they didn't have that. They probably just shit in holes or in their hands or something. I think they, they probably had shit holes. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, they'd just be like, go use the hole. You know, so they'd be like, man, I got to, you know. I'm heading to the hole. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta, yeah, I gotta go to the hole, man. Gotta stick my hole in the hole, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... Anyways, mm. we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> yes, we're talking about uh, Dune Jesus. Yeah. Arrakis Jesus. Yes. Um, Alright, good points though, yeah. Um, and, and, and Paul's definitely got that in stride. Um, Continuing Fremen culture, our next chapter. Uh, this one was one of my favorites... And I, um, I mean, I got a quick question for you though. This is a tech sure, question. Go for it's, it. a, it's a t- tech question. Do you okay. know how to silence the FaceTime entirely? Oh, oh is it I, not si- I still hear not- two of you and I don't think it's, I don't think it's being picked up on the mic, but, um, Oh, it's, um, so I turned the volume down like all the way. But then, like when I keep turning it down all the way, it just stops. It I know it just it stops. It doesn't way. let you turn it down. It doesn't let you. Yeah, it does. yeah it does. So like strange. Yeah. So like, so like, what do you do? You know. Um. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm pressing. You might even be able to hear me press the button. I'm pressing. Yeah, the button, I do hear that. Yeah. But but it, but it doesn't go down all the way. Like it stops at the very. Wait, wait, very wait, 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 wait. Let me see. Yeah. Does yours just? No, mine does. Mine. No, I'm, I'm asking for me, not for you. Oh, oh, okay. Because I can hear. I thought you were saying no. It's no problem with that I'm having with you. It's it's that um. Oh, oh, you know what? There's a button that says mute. That's for your microphone, though. Oh right. Oh, right. but but if we're both on mute, it should be fine, though. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. So, let's, so let's I both, hit let's mute. both go on mute. So hit mute. Okay. Did you mute yourself? I did. Did you? Yeah, I did too. Okay. That's All right. Way, cool. That's way smarter. Awesome. As a tech question, huh? I'm tech, glad yeah, could... tech, I mean, you're the resident tech whiz of are the podcast. Yeah. So, well, I mean, without Josh here, uh, someone's got to fill that role. Josh, you think we? I mean, he. Someone's got to fill that. Asking role. him about an iPhone. <laughs> you fucking kidding me? True, true. But I'm willing to bet that he'd be like, "Well." Is there a mute button? He'd probably know right away. <laughs> we would just be like, oh, yeah. Right, away. right? We'd be just like, oh, yeah. We, we're, we're like, we, we tried to turn the volume all the way down, but it doesn't go all the way down. He'd yeah, like, he, he'd, he'd get it right away. Yeah, no, I mean, he would, he would know. 
Um. All right. Cool. Uh, I'm glad we now have our, our like sound going in 4K or whatever. We're probably 4K sound. Like, 4K sound. Yeah, that's, that makes sense, right? <laughs> Josh would have a lot to say about that too. Um. All right. Next. Next. Does chapter. not make sense. <laughs> next chapter. Um, okay. Jessica. Um volunteers it seems like this is not thrust upon her um she makes a decision to be a part of this ceremony because they have to leave their current sayach their home their fremen home um i i guess presumably because just like given enough time they'll be found there and like yeah. horribly murdered uh, so they know they have to make this journey. Um, and so they're all preparing for it and shit. And their current Reverend mother says, I, you know, I can't survive it. Like I know in my bones, I'm going to die. And, um, so there's this ceremony where they are able to, um, have a new Reverend mother. And it's not just like, you know, like voting and you get like a new shitty president or something. It's like you take a hallucinogenic nightmare poison. I mean, that kind of feels like voting feels these like days. Voting. Though, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, then that will be our, uh, your point of reference as, as an audience member. If, yes, uh, yes. If you need to picture this better and you're following along, but for some reason not reading Dune, um, in which case this is probably already very incoherent and strange. Um, she, okay. I really like the way this chapter is written because it's wild. Um, it is. And I think it does a good job of it is. describing like the sensations and the, the feelings of the drug, like, I could picture, I don't even know if this would be in the fucking movie, but, like, I can picture how this would be, like, filmed, it felt like, in, like, a really weird, like, like, like the way 2001 A Space Odyssey ends, where it's all weird and shit, and mm -hmm. then everyone's like, what the fuck happens? Like, it'd be, like, weird. Because, okay. So, so, Jessica has to drink this like spice poison that I think is like comes from a worm. That's how they get it. Right. The only way to get this like poison drug thing is it's, it's actually, it's like a poison hallucinogenic. Yes. It's like the bile from a worm, a maker. I, I I'm, I'm remembering this as I say it too. I think it says actually that they have to drown it, which mm. Would be crazy, but point is, sounds impossibly hard. It does. Are you hearing I, an not echo on my on, on on me speaking? I'm not. No. Okay. You're still having some tech problems. Uh yeah, I'm I'm dealing with it here with my engineer. Okay. We'll uh, may, may I may I continue on? Yes, be my guest or be my host rather. Ah, <laughs> good one. Um. 
Anyways, okay, Jessica drinks this shit. She realizes it's a poison and then, like, is able to, like, picture her consciousness as like a an, like an atom that's able to rearrange the molecules in the in the poison and then turn it like she's able to make it non-lethal like i guess the test is that you would drink it and it'll either a kill you because you're not fucking worthy or awesome enough or b like you're somehow able to recognize through the act of drinking it that, like, you can somehow change it so it's not lethal, and then you go on, like, a spirit quest. Yeah, you kind of recognize what's happening to your body as it's happening and kind of have the foresight to uh, figure out how to, I guess, redirect that yeah. energy, I guess. Yeah, somehow it alters. Jessica says it feels like time like freezes for her, like she sees everyone else not moving. Yeah. Like um and then the 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 Reverend Mother who's super old uh is able to like fuse her mind with Jessica's and she appears as like a young woman. Yep. The Reverend Mother. And they like talk, and they're like, "Hey, cool!" And like she was a hot. It. She she was a, a a really hot piece of ass. Yeah, yeah. I think those are uh, Franklin Herbie's exact words. Yes. <laughs> I mean, coming <laughs> coming from Jessica's mouth. Yeah, I think she yeah. says, "Oh, Reverend Mother, I didn't realize you were such a hot piece of ass." Yeah, and then she says something like, "Well, all our asses are hot in the desert, baby." Yeah. So classic line. Uh, yeah, this is it's why people still read Dune today. Absol- That's what absolutely, absolutely, by a timeless story. I'm excited to to see how um, Kristen Stewart delivers that in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, boy, we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Anyways, um. And so, like, her, all of her experiences as a person from birth to death flow into Jessica. And, uh, but, like, just before that happens, the hot piece of ass is like, you didn't tell me you were pregnant. And Jessica's like, oh, is that a, is that a problem? <laughs> is that an issue? Should I, <laughs> right, should should I, I have brought this up before? Yeah, sorry. Um, when I'm taking this, this really, like, lethal drug. Right. I mean, like, you can't even, me. you can't even, like, take Tylenol or whatever without a warning where it's like, you know, don't, don't take if pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica's just, like, chugging worm saliva. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. You know, she's like, oh, man, I hope this is okay. I know. It's, okay. it's not okay. For the record, it's no, bad. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Um, and so she's worried that her, her baby's going to, her fetus is, you know, not going to survive the process. Um, it does, thankfully, of course. Um, and, uh, I mean, most of the chapter is kind of devoted to, like, this whole process. Oh, actually, you know, as I'm, like, going through, it's so funny to, like, be like, oh, yeah, and this happens, like, the fucking spark notes. Then they pass around 
after Jessica makes the, the poison drink non-lethal, um, my understanding is that they pass it around and have like a 20,000 20, 20, person orgy in the cave. Yeah. Yeah. They use, they use that word is all I'm saying. Like, um, they did. They, do, they, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I don't, I, don't, isn't, I don't know how they mean it. There might be only one way to mean it, but I mean, yeah, the word orgy is, it, I don't think there's a, an alternate definition in, <laughs> in whatever language they're speaking. Right. But it might not be the, the orgy that we're thinking of. Um, and then isn't Paul, Paul and Jessica like a, are removed like a, from like, they don't actually take yes. part in the huge orgy. Yeah, correct. I mean, they, like you mentioned, they only have eyes for each other. Uh, it's the, the blossoming of young love. So, yes. Yep. I don't um, think they're ready for that. For the, for the 20,000 person Sayach orgy. I mean, I'm sure Chani's been quite a few of them already. I mean, that's, to be fair, may, well. But if, uh, but if does it, it only happen happens, once, like, right. whenever a Reverend Mother is. Yes. Is crowned if, if or... that's the case, then I guess it wouldn't be because she's yeah. she's got to be at least you know like a hundred, yeah, or something. They they might even live longer than a hundred. I feel like maybe in the beginning of the book, like Reverend's mother Helen Gaius, whoever yep. the fuck. I think she might be like a hundred twenty. They I don't know. They say some cool that sounds right number. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, um. Yeah, I, I think it's more of like a spiritual thing, you know. Like all they're able to like drink the the, the shit now, and it kind of like connects everyone, and it might just, you know, express itself in a in a, in a physical manner as well. Could be just like a, a spiritual orgy. I don't know, but um, anyways, it happens. <laughs> um, and and not important because, like you said, Paul and. Chani um, kind of leave the uh, the festivities, and Chani kind of mentions she's like with this because she drinks it too, and so she's able to feel this like very literal connection with Paul, and she mentions that she's scared. She's like, um, so like she, like she's getting visions of the future because of her connection with Paul through this drug. And it's kind of freaking her out. Um, and Paul asks her to describe what she's seeing. And she says that she sees like their child together, their future child. Um, and Paul's like, you know, cool, me too. And they, they embrace warmly um, and say that they want to be together forever and you know it's sweet um i think it's a very wholesome image of love separate from the twenty thousand person orgy <laughs> happening you know just mere feet away from them uh in the omnipresent sayach stink that everyone <laughs> must live through but uh but anyways that's the that's the end of book two i know yeah that was uh that was a surprise i, I didn't realize we we're getting that close to i mean i i didn't even think of when book two would end yeah i 
if like if you were to ask me like how many books is like dune comprised of i know like i knew the information is three like i remember like you see that in the beginning when you turn the first fucking page it tells you um but i completely forgot honestly and so when i got to that i was like oh shit that's right like Mm -hmm. yeah now we're on Um, book three It's, it's crazy yeah and i mean it's uh not just because we have finished the second book um there's a lot that has changed yes a lot has Uh, happened do we mean from the like starting this third book the way that things are different going forward yes yeah yeah um yeah there's kind of unlike the the transition from book one to book two of Dune, where, like, book one ends after all the shit hits the fan, and the Duke is killed, and then Paul has his insane spirit vision, and that's kind of when he, he he sees himself as Muad'Dib for the first time. Um, and right, that, like, picks up, book two picks up exactly where that, yep. that ends. And whereas here, we have a time skip. We do. Um, and it's not explicit at first. It you got to no. it takes takes a minute to pick up on. There's, you know, subtle references to some kind of time having passed a bit. Yes. Things happening. Yes. Uh right, which which is which is cool. And again, another good example of uh James Franco Herbert's <laughs> writing style. I think it's very um non-intrusive and uh i i appreciate the way it it very naturally disseminates information to the reader um and kind of makes you make those connections which is fun i like that yeah um let's discuss the next two chapters kind of as one thing because they're both about the baron um the first chapter of book three with the baron has to do with the baron and fade rautha and like the baron kind of figuring out fade rautha's assassination attempt on him and then the chapter after oh, that God. is fade rautha talking to thufir hot yeah get hot back for the first time mm-hmm. yeah um, this is the first hot appearance in 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 a long time yes yeah, he's been talked about like by other characters, particularly by the um, Baron. Fade Routhit and the Gladiator. Right. Mm. He, he mentions Right and the Baron too. Yeah, the Harkonnens are talking about you know, using him, his allegiance to them. Yep. Yeah. But right, this is the first time we get his perspective again for uh Right, for a long time. It's it's been a while. Um it's been a while. <laughs> it's been ten chapters since we saw the heart. Man. I uh you know, blame it on the whiskey. That's all I can say. Blame it on the bud. Blame it on the bud. Another good slogan, actually. Yeah. Yeah. maybe uh for some of their 
It'd be kind of like a sloppy ad campaign or something. You'd have someone making an ass out of themselves and yes. be like, blame it on the bud, you know? Be like, you know, oh, sorry. I was <laughs> I was on the bud. Yeah, sorry. I've had seven Which I, Budweiser's I guess, uh, in 30 minutes. Yeah. Anyways, so just before hot, just before hot, um, there's this chapter with the Baron and Fade Rautha, and uh, the Baron's like super pissed, and he's complaining to his stupid head guard, uh, like, didn't I tell you to inspect like all the boys I asked you to send to me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, as as slaves to do with what I will, you know, for my own pleasure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's so funny that, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's, and maybe it has, um, happened before, but I just feel like it's at this point now, it's just like totally out in the open that he uses these little boys as sex slaves and toys. And, uh, beforehand it was just kind of it was like hinted at and it was like really gross but now just like totally like that's just what the baron that's just what he does yeah yeah um right and it's like what what a way to start this last section of your book like you know it's like time skip and you're like what's going on and the baron just like busts out of his room and he's (laughs) like what the fuck you know um he's even older and still just like yeah it's definitely yeah he's disgusting i mean his he's just this like crusty like half half jowls like just sweaty jiggling around yeah Yeah, i mean a uh, a real uh, just like a really aesthetically disgusting person but then also a morally and physically you know disgusting person too in his beliefs and actions yeah um yeah but that said the way fade rautha uh tried to kill him what i mean pretty smart yes um and we kind of learned that this plan is also uh courtesy of Thufir. Or at least he, he helps Fade Rautha with it. I, I forget if it says if he comes up with it or if he's just, like, kind of refines it. Yeah. But at any rate, um, yeah, the plan is to assassinate the Baron by uh, having, like, a, a poison needle on the thigh of yeah. this boy where they, knew, where they knew the Baron would go to touch <laughs> oh, him. Uh, which is exactly how it's laid out. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no ambiguity. No, um, none whatsoever. <laughs> um, and uh, the Baron kind of takes Fade Rautha aside, and he's like, listen, I get that you're trying to assassinate me. And he's like, I kind of don't even blame you. You know, I, th- I think the Baron kind of recognizes that it, I guess if, like, he wasn't trying to assassinate him, I think the Baron would almost be disappointed, too, because I, I think it shows, like, the the cunning and the self-preservation that I think the Baron respects and believes is important for, like, strong leadership of a, yeah. of a house. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
but yeah, but he's like, hey, like you, he he feels like Phaedrath doesn't respect him and doesn't see the worth that he has to give him, and so the Baron pretty much just like spells out to him like, don't kill me yet. Like if you kill me, the only thing you'll accomplish accomplish is that you'll become the head of the Harkonnen household, which is like fine, but that's small potatoes because. What I'm doing, says the Baron to Phaedratha, is I'm trying to get you to become the motherfucking emperor. Hell yeah. And Phaedratha's like, oh. And the Baron's like, yeah. So, don't kill me. You know, like, just use me long enough until I decide to retire, and then you can rule the galaxy, or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. And Phaedrath is still, like, kind of douchey about it in his head, you know? He's, like, not... He still doesn't really care about the Baron. I'm not saying, like, after all the horrible things that we just discussed with the Baron's <laughs> You should son, be so that, like, grateful he, to him. That, right, that, that, that he deserves respect. Um, but Phaedrath's opinion doesn't even change. Uh, you know, we get some of his, like, internal thoughts, and he's like, um, all right, I... It kind of seems like Phaedrath's plan is to like go along with it to become emperor, but I don't think he has any desire to have uh, the Baron retire. Mm-hmm. I think he's being killed one way or the other. Uh, that seems to be what Phaedrath really wants. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think... Um... Yeah, no, I think uh... It's interesting seeing them now kind of still in this, uh, you know, kind of a power struggle and that he hasn't revealed his ultimate plan to, to fade. Um, yeah. At this point, which is a little bit surprising to me, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I, I still don't know if he is actually go like, like set on, on making Fade Brantha the Emperor or just kind of using him as a disposable pawn for himself. Uh, yeah. He, obviously, he is getting older, but, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him to, like, try and bypass dying, you know? Yeah. Um, if he thought he was capable of it, I'm sure that he would. The only... Thing, the only reason I have like pause about that is because I know in the past we've gotten some of the Baron's inner monologue where presumably he, he only has reason to be honest because it's it's like his own stream of consciousness. Yeah. And he does mention like, you know, I won't live to be emperor myself, but I can ensure that a Harkonnen will be emperor. Mm-hmm. Um but if that was like a final twist in his plan, I, I would find it to be very interesting. So it would be, be interesting. Cool. I mean, and then obviously it's like I could also see him like snapping and killing Fade Routh though once he realizes that Paul is a Harkonnen and then trying to groom Paul for the Emperor position. <laughs> that would be Yeah. Yeah, I could see that too. I mean, um, the Baron seems to like pride himself almost on using people. You know, yeah. we have that that chapter 
earlier on with uh, when he's talking with Rabin before Rabin assumes control of Arrakis again, and he gets all pissed at Rabin because he's like, "What? You think I would just kill someone if I thought that they were useful to me?" Like you, he almost kills Rabin because he gets so offended. He's yeah. like, "Hey, I'll never fucking kill someone if I think they're useful to me." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if Fade Rantha outgrew that youth, that <laughs> I almost said youthfulness, which would almost also fit in a very gross way. <laughs> Uh, usefulness. Uh, then yeah, I could see him disposing of him, and it, it is it is interesting, right? I mean, I don't really know who's gonna kill who. Part of me hopes I want motherfucking fucking Gurney Halleck to kill some Harkonnens. I mean, he yeah. needs to kill Rabin at least. Who oh yeah, he does big time. Apparently, he has this this vendetta for. Um, and I hope that that comes to pass. I want to see some gurney badassery um, in this final, yeah, for real, finals book. So um, we can see Patrick Stewart do it in the movie. I know, right? This is still very bizarre casting, but we'll see. Yes, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. So that's that chapter. Uh, it is interesting that he, he the Baron only now reveals his plan, like that he's still playing like four D chess, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, he he, he doesn't want to let Fade Rafa in on this plan, even though he knows his life is in danger for like years. And then like eventually, like the assassination attempt gets so close where he's like, Fuck, fine, okay, like I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um Okay. Chapter after that. Uh the Baron and Thufir Hawit have a meeting. Do you remember at all what their discussion is about? What they talk about? Um, let's see. Um, I mean, is it about Fade Rautha? It's. It's about. Arrakis. Oh, oh, yeah, and and, and, and the, um, this kind of like religion that's springing up, right? And uh, kind yeah. of how, how yeah, I mean, I, obviously the religion, uh, the Muad'Dib, the the savior that they they're like, yeah, there's th- this guy they call the Muad'Dib, and he's he's like they they love him, so they're like, and so then uh, how it kind of advises. Uh, the Baron to to not um, tamper with that, to not um, right cut it, you know, uh, cut it down in any way. But he he yeah. himself isn't sure about that, right? True. Yeah. Um, Hot kind of recognizes, like he says himself, something like, you know, the the best way to cause a religion to grow is to like try and oppress it. Yeah. So. You know, he's kind of like, let them have their thing. Um, I wonder if he has any uh, any inkling that that could be Paul, though. Yeah, I mean... Because um, he knew of the prophets. Like, he knew of the of like what they could possibly mean to the Fremen before everything yes. happened. Yes, and he might... He might put those pieces together, but I wonder if, um, like, 
it seems like logic is the greatest strength and weakness of a Mentat, because that's also the problem with, like, Hot himself, you turning on an amp? No. Are you and uh, you and your engineer uh, just straightening some things out over there? Yeah. <laughs> um. When it came to the plan with uh, assassinating the duke, that obviously again everyone was like aware of was happening. Um. I remember Hot himself kind of thinking like well it seems like ua has like the most motive or like he's the one i would suspect but it's impossible because of the imperial conditioning yeah exactly. so he's like it makes the most sense but he, he doesn't entertain it as an option mm -hmm. because he, he believes it impossible and so i think um i think he would think the same thing here where he's like it might make the most sense that it would be Paul and Jessica who are, like, a part of this Fremen uprising, but that it must be impossible because he knows, quote-unquote, he knows them to be dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I think he might just write it off. For years now, he's been, they've been dead to him. Yes. Um, and it is, it is shown that he's... This chapter ends with him thinking to himself that he is plotting. Because um, it, it also it also reveals that uh, that he, he still, still believes that Jessica was the traitor. Yes, yep. After all this, he still believes that Jessica is the traitor. Um, and also that he still really fucking hates the Baron. Yes, yes. Yeah, he makes it very clear that he has a a intense, simmering, patient hatred. Uh, and it, it, it is now clear to us, like we suspected and hoped, that um, Hot is planning to take them down from the inside. It seems like he's playing the Baron and Fade Routha against one another. Yeah. Uh, because something we didn't mention, but just quickly in the in the last chapter where Fadrautha and the Baron are talking, one of the things the Baron says is like, you know, part of your punishment, Fadrautha, because you're still being punished. Not only do you have to go down to the pleasure house and kill all of the slaves with your oh, bare hands, yeah. which, by the way, that happens. I forgot about that, but yeah. that happens. Um, but he says. Thufir Hot is going to be watching over you, so you better stay in fucking line. And Fade Rautha is thinking to himself, you idiot. You don't realize that I'm working with Fade Rautha. That Fade Rautha, or sorry, with Hot. That you yep. don't realize that Hot was part of this assassination plan too. Um, yep, he is double-timing them. Right. And Fade Rautha keeps that to himself, so it's unclear if the Baron knows that Hot is is kind of maybe pitting them against each other, but but Fade Rautha is actually kind of onto that in his own way. I think. Yeah, I think so. I think um, he's closer to that than the Baron is for sure. Right. I mean, I don't think he's going to outsmart Hot, but uh, no. but he's at least aware. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I mean, he could he could give how uh, away potentially. Yes, yeah, that's that's true. Um, but yeah, so right, so Hart is playing the Harkonnens. Uh, he hates the Baron, and. He also hates and believes Jessica is a traitor. And I'm, st- I'm still wondering if the whole Jessica thing is going to come up as some sort of... Uh, I, it, it seems unlikely point, in a way that they'll ever Right. Uh, but maybe. Um, the last thing I want to mention about this chapter before we briefly go over our last one. I know we're a little past ten. It's all good. Uh and I still have your sleep schedule in mind, so so, oh, so I, bear with me. I appreciate that. I'm hanging in there. Um, I, I appreciate that. Um, one of the other things, really the main thing that Hot talks about with the Baron in this chapter is... And I don't even fully understand it. It's, it's a little confusing, but... Um, Pretty much, I think it's this. I think Hart kind of submits to the Baron this idea that he's like, where do you think the Sardar car come from, Baron? And the Baron's like, well, you know, he just like takes, he gets recruits and he trains them. Yeah. And Hart goes, no, they're Fremen. Mm-hmm. Hart believes that the Sardar car are Fremen that have been taken from Arrakis and forced to live on the Emperor's prison planet, prison planet mm-hmm. Seleucus Secundus. And I guess they've been like so so you know inducted into this training and, and so brainwashed that uh, they're completely loyal to the Emperor. And so uh, pretty much hot is like, so here's my plan for you, Baron, because I'm your mentor and I'm here to help you. If the Emperor's doing this, <clears throat> and this, this actually also feeds into this a bit, because also Hart says, like, aren't you worried that the Emperor's going to like kill you and like try and wipe out the Harkonnen house? And the Baron's like, no. And then Hart's like, well, you should be, because the reason that the Emperor even helped you is because he was worried that the Atreides house was becoming too powerful. Yeah. That their fighting force was going to potentially rival the Emperor's because of Hawat himself and Duncan Idaho mm-hmm. and Gurney Halleck. The dream is that team. familiar? Is that right? The dream team. Yeah. Um so I don't think there was, like, he had any reason to think that the Atreides would, like, use their power to have, like, a coup. But the Emperor is paranoid, clearly. And he's like, I'm just gonna get rid of that problem. Let's fucking kill them all, according to Hot. Yeah. This is what Hot says. I guess it could be part of his plan, but... Anyways, to wrap up, Hot's like, so listen, Baron. You are already, like the owner of Arrakis. You are in control of Arrakis. Presumably where the Emperor gets his own Sardar car. Because they're already hardened by the environment so much. So, 
why don't you turn Arrakis into your own prison planet and you can have like your own army of people. Exactamundo. I kind of don't get like how it I'm not sure why they would be like loyal. I mean, maybe I mean, it would have to be like a kidnapping and then indoctrination thing, you know. It it wouldn't I mean Yeah. They 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 they're way too tight-knit of a group currently to right. to ever uh you know uh switch sides. Yes. But actually you saying that reminds me that the Baron asked that question. He's like, why the fuck would they work for me? And Hart says he has a plan. He's like, oh, well, I would take them in small groups at first. He's like, give me, you know, yeah. just a few. And then I really brainwash those fuckers. And then you just bring in more. And once they're already brainwashed, you know, they're like, hey, we're Fremen. They'll brainwash the rest. Yep. So uh, that's kind of his, his long game yeah. there. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a decent plan, but I, I think he, like, I mean, there's something in there that is going to backfire inevitably. I mean, he's yes. got to know that it's not, yeah. that it does, that it d- shouldn't pan out the way he is saying it is going to. Yeah, and as we're talking about it, I mean, um, I mean, obviously, we know that Hot is, is now playing you know, both sides of this field with his ultimate goal being revenge against the Baron, against the Harkonnens. Mm -hmm. So perhaps him convincing the Baron to go along with this plan, um, maybe what Hart really wants is to have enough Fremen brought to him for him to train, this is me doing finger quotes, (laughs) <laughs> and then Hot is like able to go to the Fremen while it's just them. Like, hey, I know you were brought here thinking that you're gonna like be part of the Harkonnen army, but we're actually gonna fucking kill all the Harkonnens from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because the Fremen have a reason to hate the Harkonnens; they're being wiped out by them. So. I guess what I mean is, like, if, if the Fremen were brought to, like, the Harkonnen homeworld under the guise of being trained to be a Harkonnen army, and the Baron's, like, cool, but the real plan is for Hot to get the Fremen there to be, like, like a Trojan horse. Yeah, you know? to lead an uprising and or something. And then to fucking kill everyone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that po- I mean, that's, that's possible. They could, you know, he could use their hatred... Or or undersell their hatred of the Harkonnens to the Baron uh, for his own purposes. That's pretty likely. Indeed. Yeah, I feel good about it now that I said it out loud, but we'll see. <laughs> we will, I mean, yeah, we will see. It's, uh, nothing is a guarantee in this book. No, certainly not. All right, last chapter. Yes. We return to Paul Muad'Dib. Two years older. Paul yes. Uh, just over the age of 18, they say. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. On a uh, very important day for him. 
Indeed. You want to you wanna talk a little bit about this day? Well, yeah. I mean, first I want to talk about, um, like, the intro, I guess, kind of is, like, him kind of swirling through, like, where he is in his timeline. Yeah. Like, I mean, it makes it fun for for the readers because like at that point i was trying to figure out how long it had been you know i was still like was it two because they referenced two years in the previous chapter but i wasn't sure and so so he's yep. saying all this stuff that happens with him and with jessica and with chani and with uh you know their future daughter or with uh jessica's uh daughter his sister um and, and he's like oh that hasn't happened yet oh wait that did happen like that that's that is happening now uh, and, and so it's it's all very unclear until he kind of uh wakes up and um they're there at the uh the you know the day of of him riding this this sandworm uh with yes. him and Chani and they're talking about what is happening which is i guess they are separated right now for their safety you know the uh Chani and Jessica and his sister are kind of in a different camp and uh um Chani is just kind of back for her role as uh some kind of shepherd of this event. Yes. Yeah, right. So Chani is really there, but but right, she was just like you're saying all the women apparently are yeah. at this Sayach in the south, like the deep south desert. Mm -hmm. And part of what's important about Paul riding this worm is not only is it like a rite of passage, but the only way for the Fremen to get to the south desert is to ride the, the worms. Yeah, so he so he has to learn so how to So Paul know. needs to know how to personally do this. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but just briefly, I want to say, I, I, I agree with your points on the, the beginning of this chapter and the, the kind of like displacement through time and like the effect that created, um, and I liked it too, because it kind of keeps adding these interesting layers to Paul's abilities. Um, cause I remember like initially you know, I don't want to harp on it, but when it when it first gets introduced, like when he has this moment of like future clarity, it's kind of presented as like this this exact perfect image and like Paul's just like getting the universe's like mind's eye into his brain. And he kind of comes to realize that uh you know, that's not the case, that his future site is, like, very imperfect mm -hmm. and that it is ever-changing. And it's... It seems like it's starting to even, like, take a toll on him. Like, on his... His own... I don't know, like, mental health, in a way, I guess. Because it kind of talks about this at the end of the second book, too, with him and Shawnee, like that he's not really sure what the present is anymore. And he needs to like focus really hard on what's on like what's happening in front of him because he sees the past and the present and the future like combined, you know? And so it's, it's hard for him to discern time. Like he's had so many visions of the future 
I think this did like a really good job of selling that. Yeah. Yeah. That he doesn't know what a memory is or what a vision is mm. anymore. You know, that they've like morphed. It really um, is kind of. I know we've we've used this comparison before, but it's like it's like actually a more um, conflicted version of Doctor Manhattan, like a, like a very, yeah. like, like a much more troubled version. You know, um, because yeah, in the beginning, it, it did feel like it was this kind of all knowing um being that was kind of like withdrawn from everything you know but but no he's he's still right there in the shit and he and and all this is swirling around him and that is causing him issues with his day-to-day life yeah and they kind of keep i hadn't really thought about this but in a way they they almost keep moving the goalposts too and by that i just mean like like at first before paul even like really obtains these powers we're introduced to the idea that jessica in particular thinks that he might be the quizats hatterack mm-hmm. right and so it's like oh shit so like so at the end of the first book when he gets these visions you're like oh that's fuck it. he is the quizats hatterack yep and then paul's like i'm not that's not guys, <laughs> right <laughs> i'm not i'm not the quizats hatterack yeah and then he's like I'm Muad'Dib. The Fremen are going to call me Muad'Dib. That's who I am. I saw this vision. Set in stone, baby. That's me. <laughs> and then he gets to that point and he kind of realizes that he doesn't have to live that vision. Yeah. That he can change that. So he changes it totally by having them call him Paul Muad'Dib. Yeah, it's uh, very clever and, and original, <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I guess he thought that maybe that would stop the jihad one but, slight uh, change i mean it's yeah, it's possible right. no such luck uh not yet anyways maybe no. if he called himself like chad muad did Sh- yeah or just chad right yeah why not chad's fine i mean it's it's your present you know mm-hmm. but uh all right anyways um but but yeah, so right, he, he has this like fluctuating perception of time and uh rather than his powers getting stronger, his powers are very formidable, but it, to me I, I get the sense almost that he's like uh breaking down over time. Mm-hmm. That, that like the more he has these visions, the more he lives with these powers in his day to day, that uh it's changing him yeah changing and not him. always in in positive ways no taking uh, a toll on him and also just like the troubling thing is that the one it, it feels like the one thing that remains consistent in his visions is the jihad in his name mm. yes it seems like yes. no matter what he does what everything else is changing around him but that's like the like there's some version of that that is still floating around in his in his mind very true yeah good point yeah it's it's kind of this looming constant threat and he's sort of always in the back of his mind thinking like you know is today the day that there's like one small infinitesimal moment that i can you know like yeah if i if i freaking uh, you know go left instead of right today am i gonna stop the jihad Mm -hmm. he doesn't know what a way to live right um but anyways paul does have a present 
and in this present, he is uh, he is about to undergo the the ritual test of riding a maker or a sandworm. Uh, and understandably, he has a lot of nerves about that because there is no one. You know, he recognizes now there is no one uh, unchangeable vision of him succeeding. He says that he's also seen a vision of him dying. Yep. Uh, during this test, and that people would like mark mark his grave with stones, and they would, you know, come here to this spot where Muad'Dib died on the sandworm. You know, uh, and continue with the jihad. So, yeah, yeah, I know that that might might even further it. Right. So he's like, I can't die. You know, I really don't want that for a lot of reasons. Um, and so sort of like just with the knife fight with Jameis, I mean, he knows all the outcomes and he's doing everything in his power to focus it on, you know, one where mm-hmm. he is successful and everything's dope. Yes. Uh, we don't know the outcome of this yet because the chapter ends. Th- this is where you've been hanging. For this like is, two weeks now, apparently. This is the so, hanging Chad. Yeah. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry, my <laughs> it's dude. It's so good. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's been a good place to hang. I've had a lot of thoughts about it. Um, a lot of... Yeah. yeah uh, but yeah, I mean, he also says at the end, like, this is something that I've never seen. Like, this is something that I've never seen in my in my mind in past, present, or future is, is this... What this worm actually looks like up close. Like, a, a, yeah. a, about to... To, to, to jump it yeah i think uh he even says that like it's it's bigger than any worm he's ever seen or yeah. even like heard described mm-hmm. like it's almost impossibly large it's a big daddy yeah um which of course you know seems likely that he won't die right he's, he's gonna succeed in some fashion and um he also kind of seems to recognize that this is going to like further his own legend. Yep. Like we're talking about um, the time skip, the passage of time, and a, a very small detail that says a lot is Stilgar comes out during this ritual before Paul goes to ride the worm, and he has like a banner, and it's a banner of. It's a banner that like represents Muad'Dib mm-hmm. specifically, I think, mm-hmm. and it's like green, and and Paul kind of like thinks on it as something that like it sounds like for whatever reason that they made the banner, it seems to commemorate something that Paul thinks is very mundane, but that the Fremen have kind of given so much meaning to that it's become a legend. Yeah, exactly. And so Paul too sort of recognizes that like today, no matter how it pans out, whether I die or I live, this is just going to be a part of my story as Mulan did. It's building his myth. Right. And he just wants to do everything in his power to make that story not end with the jihad. Yes. Uh, which, I wonder, obviously, right. Still a huge variable. I wonder, when I wonder when we get to the point where he just kind of drops it and just starts to embrace it. <laughs> like an, an inevitable future? Yeah, you just kind of look like, okay, well, this is what we got to do. 
let's fucking <laughs> might do as it. well lean into it yeah i mean there might be a a time where he's so worn down that he does kind of change tactic i don't know it would there be interesting be. to see um, him him trying to I guess kind of lean into that instead of yeah. just trying to like tr- try to use his powers to do something instead of actually instead of using them to run away from something. Mm. I see. So like instead of right avoiding an outcome, maybe creating a new one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Or something he doesn't know is a new one or like, you know, but just like working towards something as opposed to just always living in fear of, yeah, cause that's it. You know, like he's living in fear of this, of this jihad, of this yeah. moment. And he knows that fear is the mind killer. Indeed. That's a very good point. He's, he, he, you know, he, he really is going against his, his teachings and, uh, mm-hmm. in how he is handling this, I think. And I do think that will catch up to him. Yeah. That's, um, you know, a really good point, obviously pulling from the text, but yeah, the fear is the little death. Fear is the mind killer, just like you said. Yeah. Uh, and so, right, just by, you know, fearing itself is already kind of like a loss. Yeah. Or uh, um, an acceptance of, of, of failure, you know, mm. to, to fear is to almost to knowingly uh, lean into the failure, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good point. I think um, that that might be some sort of ultimate lesson, which would be cool. Definitely maybe fun it'll to bring talk us, about. If maybe it it'll bring us to way. like an epiphany point or something where he puts it together. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, ultimately... Uh, I uh, am excited to see where it goes, as always. I mean, I think Paul will be riding a worm very shortly. Yes, I think he um, will. A big, a big worm. A big boy. Yeah, big daddy. Big papa. Big, big zaddy worm. Yes. Um, yeah, but there's still, you know, obviously a lot hanging. I mean, what's, what's Hart's plan? Did did Fade Rautha impregnate that lady in yes. the past two years? Did that happen? Yeah, probably. Oh shit! And we didn't even talk about the other impregnation, and because one, uh, Jessica's daughter, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sister is born and a weirdo. Yeah, yeah, she's a real freak. Weirdo. Yeah, apparently she's an infant that's able to speak. She she's like so young, but like I, it sounds like is talking in like complete perfect sentences, yeah. and is saying shit that she shouldn't know because no, obviously she has like souls trapped. In everyone her is just shit. terrified of her and just wants yeah Jessica to get rid of her. Yeah, right. And that's when when Paul's talking about like his time displacement at the beginning of this chapter, he kind of mentions he's like, "Have I had this conversation with my mom?" And Jessica's like. You know, admit it. You think I'm a fucking monster, yeah. and I gave birth to a demon baby. And Paul's <laughs> like, "Mom, slow down." Yeah. <laughs> like, oh boy, that's gonna be fun boy. too. Yeah. Um. But Paul and Chani have a child as well. Yes. Leto the second. 
Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Is that present Ooh, day or is that not? Or is that in the future? Um, I, I think it's happened. Like when he, when he brings it up, I, it feels like he's not sure. But if I remember correctly, I think in the present, like after he wakes up from the, from the reverie, from the dream, and he's talking with Chani in the present, I think he asks about their, their kid. Yeah, probably. And so I think that kind of cements that, that it's happened. Mm. But obviously, they haven't really... They only barely touch on yeah. it. Yeah. But, but I believe it has occurred. I believe he has a child. Um, so let's not get into that shit. Because we'll talk about that next week, I'm sure. Maybe. Pro- you probably. Who knows? Um, be another Doolito's dead thing. Where we don't we <laughs> never meet this baby. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, that would be uh, quite tragic, would it not? Oh man, um, is there uh, anything else you might like to mention, either about the chapters we covered today or what you think might happen? Where are you at? I'm at a point now. I mean, I think I might have said this before too, but it's like I don't know where we're going. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't. I feel like. I feel like predictable story structure has kind of been thrown out the window without making it obvious. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're tearing everything up. It's all over. This is a brand new territory. It just kind of like slowly gotten so far out of control that you're just like, I don't really see how this is going to end. I don't, I don't see a a classic conclusion to the story. Yeah. Um, I I agree with that, and I kind of was having a similar thought, thinking about like just like I, I feel like these latest chapters kind of cement how much has changed because I sort of was kind of left thinking about um like not only Paul's journey, uh obviously he's been through so much, and he starts off as you know having all this potential and he's kind of grown into it as Muad did now, um. But I got to tell you, that Reverend Mother chapter with Jessica, I was like, I mean, I think it's the very first chapter, the Reverend Mother and Jessica are talking to each other Mm -hmm. about Paul. They think Paul's asleep, and Paul's kind of able to overhear them. And kind of just to reflect on the fact that through the Fremen, Jessica has been able to become a reverend mother herself. Um, feels like a big deal, and I'm glad that she's still having these big character moments. Yeah, I me know too. for a little while, Paul had a lot of focus, and he, he, he will and should, because he's the main character, and it is going to follow him, and I want it to. Um, but, I mean, the story started off with jessica being the badass motherfucker you know and paul had to be the one to grow to get there mm-hmm. um and so i'm glad that uh i mean jessica kind of has her own just like how paul has this like insane universe expanding epiphany when he grows past quizat's hatterack and the muadib yeah. um you know jessica has this new understanding 
of what it means. By the way, my my phone died, but you can still hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Of what it means to be like a reverend mother, because she's like, she's like, I've always heard those stories, and I didn't know how it happened. Mm-hmm. And now she's experiencing it, and she's like, oh, I heard the rumors, but like they don't teach you this at school, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, her character is still and so like, she and... has this really big moment. Yeah, no, I think it's. I, I think I, I'm. I'm happy to see her become a, a reverend mother. I didn't think it was going to happen so soon, but uh, it was always something that maybe could happen. Yeah, and then now, now I'm going to be. It's it's going to be interesting to see her dealing with her child and <laughs> and all of the strife that she uh, is getting from the Fremen. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot to unpack there, and I I hope the story will continue to uh, touch on that so we can talk more about it next time. Uh, So that all being said, um, Connor, you've been a gracious guest as always. Um, Have you, uh, did you finish your, your Bud Light Limerita? I did. Yeah, I'm all done. (laughs) Your, your, your Bud did the yeah. dune? Yeah. The, so the 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 dude drank their bud, huh? The the dune dudes became bud buds. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Um. Awesome. So yeah, thank you again. Can't wait to talk soon. Uh, until next time, you can follow us at dune dudes <laughs> at corruptedtv.co.nr dot blogspot mm-hmm. at twitter dot com perfect we nailed it this time <laughs> see ya